What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. My colleague won't stop commenting on everything I eat. My assistant rolls his eyes at people and meet it. Why does my coworker keep taking credit for all my ideas? Have any wisdom for me? Hi, I'm Allison Green. Welcome to the Ask a Manager podcast, where I answer questions from listeners about life at work. Everything from what to say if you're allergic to your coworker's perfume to what to do if you drank too much at the company party. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today, I'm going to answer a bunch of shorter questions from people. And the first question is from someone who works in an office where people do way too much oversharing. Hi, Allison. I've worked in the same office for over a year and a half, and I'm baffled at how much my coworkers share. I've worked at several offices before and have had very open discussions, but nothing quite on this level. To give you a snapshot, my office is open concept with the majority of us in cubicles and a few of us sharing offices in other rooms. It's about 99% women, and the majority are in their early 30s, so they're going through similar things when it comes to marriage and children. This past year alone, one of my coworkers got married, two had babies, and one had a baby about a year ago. This has caused discussion to always be about the female body and babies. I'm fine with sharing about these moments and hearing all about these milestones. However, I'm not sure I need to hear about every kind of breast pump, the specifics of my coworkers' bodies after birth, and associated issues related to pregnancy. I understand that they may have questions for each other as they go through certain things for the first time. However, I now know that one of my coworkers had to go to a vaginal physical therapist because of the condition of her reproductive organs post-baby and now has to use Kegel weights. Another husband's was not into the Brazilian bikini wax she got, and another kind of hates her husband. One of my friends in the office has brought it up to her supervisor, but since her supervisor is also one of these people who overshares, nothing really happened. The few of us who aren't in this stage of life feel super uncomfortable. If we walked in talking about how much we drank over the weekend or what we did at a nightclub, we would be seen in a negative light. But if we talked about how our child is afraid to use a toilet or that our breasts are chafed from breastfeeding, it would be completely fine. As tempted as we are to go to HR, it doesn't feel like a major enough issue to bring up, and our HR department is a bit of a joke. 
Also, since it's the majority of our office having these discussions, it would be really obvious to figure out who complained. Are there any ways we can reduce oversharing in-house before having to take it up to someone higher? Thank you so much. People are so fascinating with the things that they do and don't have boundaries about. And Caller, you have somehow landed in a nest of people with no boundaries at all, it seems. So in general, I would say it's mostly stuff that you want to try to address yourself rather than escalating it to your manager or to HR. There's one exception to that, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But in general, with interpersonal stuff like this, typically it's something that you would address on your own. Unless it's at the point where it's really interfering with your ability to do your job. Like if you had a client in your office and your coworker was talking loudly about her bikini wax, that's something that would be appropriate to give your boss a heads up about because it's affecting clients and affecting your work. You know, although even then I would still say, talk to your coworker about it yourself first. I mean, if it's a one-time thing, that's not manager worthy. If it's a pattern, talk to her about it yourself. If that doesn't work, then talk to your boss. But the reason I would say try talking to her about it yourself first is because first, that will often solve the problem without you needing to involve your boss. And also because if it doesn't solve it and you do need to talk to your manager, it's going to look better that you've already tried to handle it yourself. Your boss may ask you, have you tried talking to her about this directly? And you want to be able to say yes. And then also from your coworker's perspective, it's annoying to have someone complain to your boss when they didn't talk to you about the issue first. So you want to start with the people themselves. And if it's not stuff that is affecting your work, if it's just annoying interpersonal weirdness, that's not really stuff to take to your boss. There is an exception to this though, and that is if someone is oversharing about sex specifically, and if having to listen to sex talk at work is making you uncomfortable, because that is getting into problematic legal territory for your employer, because sexual harassment laws can be in play. Sexual harassment isn't just one person targeting another person. I think a lot of times people think that's all that it is. It can also be that you're working in an environment that's inappropriately sexualized and where you're subjected to a barrage of unwelcome sexual discussion. So if something like that is happening, your company has an interest in knowing about it and shutting it down because otherwise they can be legally liable. As for what to do here, you can try shutting it down when it's happening. Like when one of those conversations gets going, you could say, hey, this is more graphic than I want to hear at work. Can we keep this PG? Or you could say, whoa, that is too much for me at work. Let's move on. So sort of nudging people to realize, oh, there's people here who might not be happy bystanders <laughs> to this conversation. Now, if you are actually working when this conversation is happening, you have a stronger standing to say this because you're right to be able to focus on your work without having that distracting conversation around you trumps their, their right to talk about vaginal physical therapy. But if it's a conversation that's like more like something, a conversation over lunch where it's more of a social context. If everyone else at the table wants to be talking about post-baby body changes or so forth, it might be that you just need to cut back on how often you're having lunch with that group because they do have more freedom with conversations in social settings. Although to be clear, that's still a work context and there's still a line they shouldn't cross. It just really depends on exactly what the topic is and how graphic they're getting. 
but you may just need to be armed with some phrases like, wow, too graphic for me (laughs) or, or so forth. Something that you're ready to say when the conversation veers in that direction. That doesn't mean it will work. I mean, there are definitely groups of people who do this kind of thing, who think it's funny when someone objects and will kind of tease you about it and won't stop at all. So, so how effective this will be will depend on your coworkers. But if you can frame it in terms of like, hey, I'm trying to work over here, that might help. But it is also true that if this is the culture of your office, and since at least one manager is apparently part of the problem too, this might just be the culture there. And that doesn't mean that you would need to put up with sexual harassment if that's what were happening or a sexually hostile work environment. I mean, I want to be clear that the answer to those things would not be, oh, it's just the culture there. But assuming that it's not that and that it's really just people oversharing, there's probably not a ton of recourse. Even if you did have good HR, which you said that you don't, I don't think it would be something that you would get a lot of traction on from them intervening on. I mean, a good HR person would talk to that manager who's involved and explain why she should be reining this in. But HR also doesn't have the power to come in and just insist that people change their conversational habits as long as it's not something like harassment. And in your case, because you said HR at your company is bad, that's probably moot anyway. So the upshot here, be armed with some phrases that you can use to redirect the conversation, emphasize that you're trying to work, but that might be the best that you can do with this group. Okay, let's go to the next call. So I'm building a new team to turn around late deliveries for pretty important internal customer to our business. So in the process, I'm going to inherit a team member who's just, he's away from his desk for hours on his phone. He leaves his computer at his desk. Uh, I walk by his desk and I've seen him watching movies on his phone while keeping his monitor alive with a spreadsheet or project plan on the monitor. Um, he comes in at 9 a.m., takes a long lunch, leaves at 2 p.m. And really seriously, that was just in the course of a typical week. So in this guy's defense, he's pretty new to the organization, and he was never really coached by his manager. His manager had been on vacation or was traveling for business the majority of the time that he was here. The person who was responsible for onboarding him was moved to another team because he really couldn't handle the workload. So I'm, I'm really thinking you probably picked up some bad habits from that time. So... You know, what am I going to do? Like, I feel like I'm going to demonstrate the energy I expect. I'm going to give tough but fair deadlines, give him some weekly goals, ensure that his passions are aligned to the work. It's like, do I give him the benefit of the doubt and see if he needed just a more engaged manager? Or should I just start out addressing his behavior directly and allowing him to start with clear expectations immediately? just don't know whether I should just face this head on or let him evolve into the employee that I need. What do you think? Maybe there's another way forward. I don't know. Anyhow, thank you very much for your time. And I really hope that you have some great ideas for me. And I'm sure you will. Thank you. You know, I could argue this either way. There is an argument to be made for addressing it right off the bat, like right up front with him so that he knows that the bad work habits have been noticed and aren't okay. 
But if I were you, I would give it a little time to see what happens. Not months, not even weeks, but like one week. See how that first week goes. And if you notice any of those habits during that week, address it right away. But who knows? I mean, it's possible that the reason that he was slacking off so much under the old manager was because they hadn't given him much work to do or something like that. And if that's the situation and he wasn't doing much because they hadn't delegated much to him, but he otherwise would have been happy to be working if there was any work to do, it's going to be pretty mortifying to him and maybe, I mean, upsetting really to be called on the carpet for that if it wasn't really within his control. And it's going to make him feel like he already has the strike with you, even though it wasn't a situation of his own making. Now, that's giving him a huge amount of benefit of the doubt. Uh, but but there are potential, I mean, who knows? Who knows what was going on and why that slacking was happening and why that manager, his old manager, wasn't intervening. So I would give him that week. And during that week, I would watch pretty closely and be ready to step in if you do notice anything problematic, but see how it goes first. Um, if there wasn't some sort of extenuating circumstance that puts his earlier behavior in a better light, then presumably that's going to show up pretty soon for you too. And you can address it very, very head on when you do. But give him that week and see how it goes. We'll take a short break here and be right back with a question about employers who call references who were not on the reference list that you gave them. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I have um, applied for positions before and been um, given a heads up by colleagues that they were contacted to serve as references for me, even though I hadn't listed them as references, you know, that the place of employment had seen somewhere that I had worked with these people before and just contacted them out of the blue. Luckily, they all had great things to say, but I've also been on the other end of this where I have been contacted as a reference, not having been listed. And um, the employer has been transparent about that, that they were just sort of calling to see what I thought of this candidate. Is this okay? Is this something that um, happens a lot? And if so, is it um, is it okay? Or does a candidate have the right to control who gives them a reference when they apply somewhere? Thanks so much. You are talking about what are known as off-list references, meaning they are going off the list that you provided, and they're definitely common. From an employer point of view, it's pretty likely that when a candidate hands over a list and says, oh, here are my references, you can contact these people about me, it's pretty likely that they know that those are people who will say good things about them. And Maybe that's going to give you a full picture of who they are as an employee, but maybe not because if someone is kind of a not great employee, they may have sort of hand-selected the the very few people who will say something positive. So some employers won't always stick to the list that you give for exactly that reason. I will tell you what I personally do when I check references. When someone gives me a reference list, I really pay attention to who they have chosen to put on there. If it's like their last three managers, then great. That's pretty standard. It doesn't look like they're trying to hide anything. But if there's only one manager from like a decade ago and all the more recent people are peers or other people who didn't manage them, I'm going to wonder why. What's going on there that they're not offering up any managers? And I'm just going to directly ask, hey, could you put me in touch with your last couple of managers? The exception to that is for their current job. Of course, I'm not going to contact your boss at a job that you're still working at if you haven't given notice yet, because that could put your job in jeopardy. But if you have a few previous jobs before your current one, and none of those managers are on the list, I'm going to wonder why, and I'm going to ask if I can talk to them. And when I coach managers, I tell them they should be doing that too, because when you are checking references... First of all, you really want to get a full picture of someone and you really want to talk to their managers because managers just often have a different vantage point on someone's work, different than what other references might have for them because it was their job to assess it. And often they see different things. And so if I got a reference list with few or no managers, I want to go digging into why. But the other thing that I do and that a lot of employers do is If I know someone who has worked with the candidate before, I'm going to contact that person about them, even if their name is not on that official reference list. 
um, whether it was their boss or a peer or whoever it might have been, if I know someone whose judgment I trust, who's worked with you before, I'm absolutely going to reach out to them and get their take. And that type of informal reference checking is super common where you have mutual connections and they get contacted about you. There is another type of off-list reference checking that some employers do, although it is less common. That's where they're reaching out to people not on your reference list and who also are not mutual connections. So they're just like calling up your last employer and asking about you. And when they talk to people, they might say something like, is there anyone else who Jane worked closely with who you would recommend that I talk to? And then they're calling those people. That's a lot less common. That's a very, very thorough kind of check, but it does happen. Now, you also asked, does a candidate have the right to control who's giving them a reference? And the answer to that is no, at least in the U.S. I can't speak to other countries, but in the U.S., an employer can seek out references for you from pretty much anyone they want. But the informal ones where they're just talking to mutual connections, that's the most frequent type of off-list reference. And that's just pretty basic info sharing. You know, hey, I see you used to work with Jane Smith. I'm thinking about her for a job. What can you tell me? Okay, let's go to the next call. And before we do, I want to explain some of the terminology that you're going to hear this caller using. You will hear her refer to people who are working five eights, which means five eight-hour days each week, and four tens, which means four ten-hour days each week. Okay, here is the call. Hello, Allison. One of my direct reports is the manager of a group of 15 people. Approximately eight years ago, before I was around, this group of 15 was much smaller at around eight or nine, and the work was much less intense. As an experiment, the opportunity was given to the staff to work four 10-hour shifts rather than the usual five-eighths. This worked well for a while. Now, the team has grown, and as mentioned above, the scope and intensity of the work has also increased. Currently, six people are on the modified 4x10 schedule with the rest of the team providing coverage for absences. I should note that we are a seven-day-a-week operation to some extent, with weekend schedules being covered by a skeleton crew made up of a mixture of folks who have a staggered work week and by overtime shifts by the standard Monday through Friday employees. As we've grown and expanded, the 4x10 shifts and the coverage concerns they cause have become an increasing problem. After a time analysis and other considerations did not justify hiring additional staff, my report, the group's manager, and I have come to the conclusion that we need to pull everyone back to 5 eighths in order to ensure adequate coverage. This has been suggested in the past by members of the team currently on the 5 eight schedule to much wailing and gnashing of teeth of the current 4 by 10s and it's to the point where the business needs are showing us that we really do need to make this change. We're trying to be as kind as we can in the way that we announce this transition, but are struggling with the message, the timing, and the lead-up to the implementation. Any advice on how to approach this? I'd like to make it as straightforward and drama-free as possible, and am aware that some folks may quit over this change, which would put us even more behind the eight ball while we try to restaff afterward. Yeah, this is tough. For a lot of people, working four 10-hour days and getting three-day weekends every week can be a really significant benefit, and it could be a blow to hear that that is changing. I think you're right to prepare for the possibility that some people may quit over it, but that's okay. People need to do what's best for them. What you want to avoid is people rage quitting, being angry at how it's handled or feeling like they weren't heard. If people quit, you want them doing it from a place of rational decision-making, not irritation. So the best thing that you can do is to be really transparent about what's going on. Be open with people about the reasons for the change, 
the alternatives that you considered instead of this, and why you ultimately did pick this as the best solution. And tell people that you know that this is a major change, that you appreciate what a benefit the old schedule was, and that if there were alternatives, you would have taken them. But in this case, switching back to five eights is what made sense because of blank. And tell people that you get it's a blow and that you're available to answer questions or talk about concerns they might have. And if you can, give people as much of a heads up as possible before that change happens because people may have childcare schedules to work out or other scheduling issues that they'll need some lead time to address. You don't want to spring it on them without much notice. And of course, if people do tell you that they're rethinking whether the job will still make sense for them, don't penalize them for telling you that. Let them know that you understand and that you hope they'll stay, but that you support them in doing what's best for them. Beyond that, though, there's not a ton you can do. People are going to feel how they feel. And some might decide that this changes the calculation of whether the job still makes sense for them, and that's okay. As long as you're open and transparent and hear people out about their concerns and genuinely listen with an open mind and be willing to be flexible where you can, that's about all you can do to manage a tough situation well. But those things will go a long way. The difference between doing those things and not doing them is pretty significant. We'll do a final break here. And when we come back, we have an update from a recent caller who came on the show. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hi, Allison. I'm a fairly senior lawyer at a large law firm on a partner track, and I have decided after I was passed over for partnership this year for, again, not having enough billable hours, I've decided that I need to find something that allows me a little bit more work-life balance because I have two small children whom I'm trying to parent properly (laughs) and um, hobbies that I'd like to have and uh, you know, just generally, I just need a, a, a different balance in my life. So my question to you is, from reading your blog, it seems like being a lawyer, particularly at an 
at a lar- large law firm is one of those jobs that typically is understood to just not be skewed towards balance. Um, so I take hope from that, that there are jobs out there that I can achieve some sense of um, being able to serve other parts of my life besides work. However, what I would like to know is when I'm interviewing, how can I get across the idea that I'm leaving my job in order to be able to spend more time doing other things without sounding like I don't want to work hard? I'm happy to work hard the way I've been framing it in the few, you know, sort of headhunter conversations that I've been having is I want to be the client. I don't want to be the service provider because it's really the on-call nature that I'm really struggling with. But I've also mentioned saying things like, I don't mind working hard. I'm happy to work nights and weekends. I'm happy to travel. I just don't want it to be every night or every weekend. Anyway, I would love your opinion about how to make it sound like I'm not just looking for part-time. I don't want to coast. It's not that. I just, I'm not doing anything but work and parenting, and I need to do things like sleep and exercise (laughs) occasionally. Thank you so much. I love your site. Thanks for everything you do. This is going to be easier than you think it is. You are absolutely right that people generally know that being a lawyer at a large firm means absolutely crazy hours and no work-life balance. So you can really lean on that in explaining why you're looking for something else now because people will get it. You can just say something like, I love my work, but I'm ready to move on from 80-hour weeks and I'm looking for a job where I can still work hard, but also where being able to have dinner with my family won't be a novelty. And that's all. You don't need more explanation beyond that. You're not going to sound like you're looking to coast or not work much. People know there's a middle ground between crazy law firm hours and part-time hours, and most of the population is in that middle ground. For what it's worth, I would not use that framing that you mentioned about wanting to be the client, not the service provider. I don't think it's totally clear what you mean there, and you don't want to confuse people. And it's also possible that they'll take that as meaning something different than how you intend it. I think you're using that because you feel like you need to have more of an explanation than you do. But really, it is totally fine to just say you are working 80-hour weeks or whatever it was and are ready to live like a more normal human being. You could even use <laughs> you could even use that language about being wanting to be a normal human. You don't need anything more than that. People will get it and you will be fine. Before we wrap up, I want to share an update that I got from the caller who was on last week's show, the episode called My Coworker is Unbearably Negative. She's the person who had to work closely with someone who was doing a couple of difficult things. One was that she was just talking nonstop, including just talking out loud to herself while sharing workspace with the caller. And second, she was just really, really negative, like unrelentingly negative, constantly injecting their shared space with negativity, which was getting hard to handle. The caller had even said she felt like she was sort of an unconsenting therapist to this coworker because it was just this stream of negative problems in her life. Well, she recorded an update about what has happened since she was on the show. Let's hear it. Hi, Allison. I'm the letter writer that recorded the podcast with you about my coworker who wanted me to be her non-consensual therapist. And thank you so much again for taking the time to talk over the issues that 
I was having with her, and I wanted to let you know how that's been going. And, you know, I've been keeping my usual coping strategies, like taking a lot of breaks and having a lot of work to do, um, which hasn't been hard. I've had a lot of work to do. And at one point, uh, she came in, and I was doing a, a stack of calls, and, um, you know, I said, hey, I've, I've got a lot of work to get through, so I may not be as talkative today, um, even though I'm not the talkative one. But I said that, and she said, she said, okay, and she started to do that thing again where she talks out loud to herself and just says negative things out loud. And I just turned and said, hey, Jane, would you mind not talking out loud like that? It's just kind of distracting for me. And she totally stopped. And I just so appreciate it um, because, you know, while she was a little huffy at first, I think I was just being so reasonable that she wasn't going to push back on that. And I just can't even believe it was this simple of a solution to get that to stop. Um, and then as for the negativity kind of stuff where she's just really negative, you shared an anecdote with me on the show about your mom and how sometimes she just gets a kind of, like a kind of a twisted joy out of sharing bad experiences, almost like a way to connect. Um, and I started to see things that Jane was saying that way, and it really, really helped uh, because I was less frustrated, um, I was le- I, I was able to use my normal coping strategies, but just having that different mindset and attitude about her and about why she does that really made a difference and made me be able to have better empathy for her um, as that was going on and not take that negativity in quite so hard. So it's not perfect, but it's way, way better. And thank you so much for your show and your website, Allison. Just really appreciate um, all the work you do here because I know there's a lot behind the scenes. So thanks so much. That is a great update. It's so interesting how sometimes solutions to things that are really bothering us can end up being much more simple and more straightforward than what we're fearing they will be. So that's a testament to what you can get done by just being direct, friendly, but direct. That's our show for today. If you would like to hear your question answered on a future episode, you can record it on the show voicemail by calling 855-426-WORK. That's 855-426-9675. Or if you have a longer question, a question where you would actually want to come on the show and talk with me, email it to podcast at askamanager.org. That's it for today. And I will be back next time with more questions. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.